Good morning, saints. Well, we've made it. It's the end of 2023. Time to turn the corner into new year. Quick recap from last week. Uh, we talked about Christians celebrating Christmas. Key points that we looked at. We said that Christians are free to engage traditions that enrich and support their walk of faith, of course, in accordance with Scripture and their conscience. We said that these faith traditions can be wonderfully helpful and edifying as we set time aside to celebrate. Remember, celebrate is not always festivities. It means to honor, to remember. In this case, the birth of Christ. The most important point that I wanted you to hear is this. Contrary to what you hear almost everywhere, Christians did not, they did not, early Christians did not borrow Christmas traditions from their little pagan friends. Uh, that is something that is often peddled around that eh, it's all kind of the same thing. But there really is nothing that would indicate that. In fact, there are many instances, examples we have of Christians remembering the birth of Christ long before published dates for other similar pagan holidays. Uh, so to that end, we will continue and maintain our Christmas-themed slides this morning because we uh, remain mindful of Jesus' coming and reflect on 2023 and prepare for a new year. I just This is a very special Sunday morning for us. Because we have the afterglow of being focused so intently on the advent of Christ. We're finishing up a calendar year. Some of you are very happy to have 2023 behind you. But we're preparing for a new year. It's a really good time for reflection for contemplation. So this morning I'd like to offer three key words. As you reflect on this past year and as you prepare for a new year. Three words I think that will help guide us and keep us grounded. So let's begin with this. Wonder. Wonder in the sense of amazement and awe. Ask yourself this question. Why has virtually every generation of Christians, every generation, purposefully set aside time each year to commemorate, to celebrate the coming of Jesus? The birth of Jesus. Why? I'll tell you why. Because every generation recognizes the stupendous news and message that is wrapped up in the coming of Christ. The staggering proposition of the New Testament that God Himself, God Himself, clothed himself in humanity for the sole purpose of rescuing you and me, of redeeming us. 
of reconciling us to God. There is absolutely no philosophy, ideology, religion, faith, whatever you want to call it, that even has anything close to this. The message, think about what is wrapped up in the birth of Christ, the coming of Christ. Number one, remember, we're not just celebrating the fact that he was born. We're celebrating centuries of prophecy of the Lord saying, one day my anointed will come. He's coming. Here's where he'll be born. Micah 5, 2. In Bethlehem. The smaller Bethlehem. He'll be born of a virgin. Here's what he'll do. Like a lamb going to the slaughter. Centuries of the Lord pointing ahead saying, One day I will fix what y'all have done. That is worth celebrating. That is worth putting a pause on your regular routine to remember that you are not alone. Emmanuel, God with us. To know that Christ came bringing complete Total forgiveness. Knowing that Christ came to show you your worth. To show you the love that God has for you. To destroy the works of the devil. I understand there's all kinds of cultural things tied into it. I get that. But it is a good thing to remember that event and all that it means. And that's just Christmas. What about Easter? What about the resurrection? The fact that Christ came. He did what he said he would do. And he rose again. And he ascended. Fellow saints, I call on you this morning, all of us, to never lose that sense of wonder. Look at what God has done. God would do this for me. Every other, every other religion, philosophy, you name it. Somehow, one way or another, it's up to you. You do your part, maybe God will do his part. You work as hard as you can. You try to erase all the things that you've done wrong. And then here comes the New Testament with this concept of grace. Salvation by faith. I think it was two years ago we did an Advent series on the word behold. We tracked through the Bible the usage of the word behold is not a word that we use that often today. 
The word behold, it means stop. Look at this. This is not normal. You might want to slow down as you read. Because what I'm about to tell you is a God thing. The use of the word behold, it punctuates the story of redemption in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So this morning, if you have your Bibles, I want you to follow along as we look at some of these statements. Because this sense of wonder is not just for Advent season. It's for every single day. Isaiah, we're going to do this fairly quickly. Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7. Seven, eight hundred years before Messiah came. Before Jesus was born. I know this is familiar territory. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold. Look at this. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. He's coming. Now, some of the more liberal persuasion have worked really hard to say, oh, all that really means is just a young lady, which technically it can mean that. But the primary meaning is a virgin. I'm just going to be honest, it's, it's really a stupid argument because why is that a sign? There are lots of people having babies, lots of women having babies. Why would we say this is a sign? But God says, behold. Turn to the New Testament, to the book of Matthew. Remember how Matthew opens up. It's been about 400 years since any prophet has said anything. Silence. This is how your New Testament begins. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. No. How you doing? It's been a while, but I'd like to give you an update. No. Every Jew knew that Messiah would come through a specific line. And so Matthew wastes no time. He gets right to the punchline. He's here. Now let's talk a little bit about Joseph. Joseph was in a little bit of a... An awkward situation. He was informed that Mary, though they were not yet formally married, was with child. 
by the Holy Spirit. Imagine how he was processing this. He was a righteous man and desired to divorce her quietly. Verse 19, verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, look, an angel came to him as well. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Behold, go to Luke chapter 1. A couple books over, Luke chapter 1. I just really want you to see these in your own Bible. This is what Joseph was processing. Luke chapter 1, verse 29. An angel coming to Mary, and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Understandably. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, look, listen, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and be called the son of the most high. Go to chapter 2. There is no way that the gospel writers can introduce you to the magnitude of the birth of Christ without just slapping behold almost at every corner. Because none of this is normal. But God is coming to your rescue. You know these passages. Verse 8. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were terrified, filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. Fear not. Why? Behold. I am bringing you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And what is that? Unto you is born this day the fulfillment of hundreds of prophecies from the Hebrew Scriptures. Born this day in the city of David had to be that city. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. In making this announcement, this is the one singular time 
that Jesus is referred to as Savior in the Synoptic Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John only uses the word once. Let's continue. Continue to your right to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You probably know where I'm going. Why do we celebrate? Why do we remember? Because of what Christmas ultimately means for you and for me. Look at this gospel promise. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's the gospel. You are not just cleaned up. This is not Colin 2.0. You are a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. Fellow saints, only God can do this. Only God can recreate, give new life. Remember, Jesus said you must be born again. That's the whole point of the gospel. One more. All the way to the end. Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. You might know that in your Bible, the first two chapters, Genesis 1 and 2, and the last two chapters are the only time that we're looking at creation without sin. One is before sin and death. And of course, this is after redemption. This is the eternal state. Look at chapter 21. Verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And he will dwell with them and he will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Behold. Look at what God has done. This is why Christ came. This is what he accomplished. That we would enjoy him forever, but I'm not done. Verse 5. Now we'll read verse 4 too. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Friends, this is gospel comfort. This is how we take everything and we put it into perspective. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. 
for the former things have passed away. Verse 5. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, look, I am making all things new. Write this down, John. For these words are trustworthy and they are true. My fellow saints, this is for every single generation of Christians. In the heartaches of life, in the trials, in the ups and the downs, in the sad goodbyes, in the disappointments, this is your strength. To look at what God has done, what the gospel brings. This is why Jesus came. This is why, this is why every single generation of Christians have recognized the magnitude of the coming of Christ. When was the last time you celebrated Ezekiel's birthday? Seriously. Isaiah, have you? No, of course you haven't. Because Christ is not just another prophet. He's the son of God. And I'd like to highlight this one very specific behold verse. 1 John 3, 1. Behold, look, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. That's the King James for you. I just want to note, as we did earlier, uh, the word behold is not always rendered in that way because we don't use it as much anymore. So in some of those verses that I just read, depending on what translation you're reading, you might have actually seen something like look. It's the same word. It's just behold is, I don't know, it's a special word. Saints, what does this verse tell you? It tells you that you are unconditionally loved. Look at the manner of love that God has shown us. No matter where you have been, no matter what you have experienced, no matter your own self uh, analysis of yourself, God loves you. It shows you your true identity. Do not find your identity in anything else other than this. You are loved by God. Christ has laid down his life to save you. And you are now in Christ. That's who you are. My friends, this is what we live for. Recently, our son Matthew and his friend Claudius visited relatives in England just a couple weeks ago. As Claudius in the corner adjusting his cap. Anybody want to guess which cathedral this is? This is Winchester Cathedral. They broke ground in 1079. 
The job was completed in the 1500s. It was a 500-year building project. But here's what I want you to see. In generations past, the mindset was, if this structure, if this building is going to house the worship of the most high God, we better put some time into it and make it exquisite. The inside is no less exquisite than the outside. That's not for everyone. But I do want to leave you with this, with wonder. Don't lose that sense of wonder. Do not give in to the busyness of life to be distracted and to forget the extraordinary news that Christ came to reconcile you. Word number two is worship. Everything we have just discussed kind of fuels and points ourselves to worship. I'll begin with this quote from A.W. Tozer on worship. He said, I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the word of God that any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. Let that sink in for just a moment. The natural response for the Christian who is born again, being very mindful of where he or she has been, who they used to be, who they are now, and where they are headed, is to worship. Worship includes lifting our voices to praise his name as we have just done. But my friends, Christian worship is not limited to that. Consider the book of Romans after 11 chapters of soaring theology, 11 chapters laying down the framework of the gospel, our need for a savior. Note how Paul then makes the transition to the application of all of these truths to the Romans. This is Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, brothers... Therefore, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or spiritual service. Friends, do you want to worship God? Commit yourself to the Lord every day and let your wonder and amazement at his grace at his holiness, fuel this. 
And notice how this works itself out into our daily practical lives. Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. The world will always seek to, to squeeze you into its mold. Counter to that, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That is what Christian worship looks like. Now, godly worship is always conjoined to and informed by God's word. Which indeed is our third word for today. Please note they all start with W. Wonder, worship, and the word. My friends, there is no true Christian discipleship apart from God's word. I'd like to illustrate the power of God's word in the life of King Josiah, who became king at the ripe age of eight years old. He stumbled across the neglected word of God in Israel, Judah. So Josiah sent people to check the money box in the house of the Lord. Because he wanted to pay the workers who were faithfully working on God's house. But as they went for the money, they discovered something else that had been completely forgotten and neglected. The word of God. Look at verse, this is 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 10. Then Shaphan the secretary told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And he read it before the king. Most important is his response to the word of God. Verse 11. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. When he heard the truth of God, the word of God, he was so convicted at how far they had drifted that he tore his clothes. Now you can read this in the next chapter. Here's the result of this one action. King Josiah gathered everyone Everyone to read the Bible. Of course, it was just the law at that point. King Josiah personally made a covenant to obey God and the people followed his example. King Josiah cleansed the, the house of the Lord of all the pagan items. He took their pagan items and he ground them up and he threw them in the river. He disrupted the male and female prostitutes, which were a part of the pagan worship rituals. He put an end to children, children being offered to the pagan deity Molech via being burned to death. 
There was one thing he left alone. There was a little grave, a little monument. He said, what's that? They said, oh, those are the bones of the holy man who prophesied what you're doing right now. He destroyed the pagan priests. He restored the Passover. He got rid of all of the idols. He was 26 years old. Do not let anyone look down on you for your youth. Do not disqualify yourself to say that God can't use you because of X, Y, and Z. Here's a quote from John Stott. We must allow the word of God to confront us, to disturb our security, to undermine our complacency, and to overthrow our patterns of thought and behavior. Notice those key words. Confront, disturb, undermine, and overthrow. Friends, this is the heart of discipleship. Being made more like Jesus. Looking into his word. What is there for me to learn and what is there for me to obey? Remember, our engagement of God's word is never meant to be just done alone. It has community application. Look at Colossians chapter 3 verse 16. Let the word of Christ, these are my highlights obviously, dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So the initial action is you take the word of God and you let it dwell within you richly. You're not just reading it in passing. You are giving it its full, giving it your full attention. You are taking what you know about God. And you're ministering that one to another. That's how we keep ourselves sharp. That's how we support and encourage and comfort one another. And look at the heart disposition. Thankfulness. Let me tell you something. When we drift from the Lord, when we get out of our habits... Attending church, engaging one another, reading God's word, all of those things. The first thing that you will lose is your sense of gratitude. You will begin complaining. Why? You've lost the big picture. And notice how this ties right into the very well-known verse that follows. Verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving What? Thanks to God the Father through him. So let's land the plane. Let's tie all this together. As you enter into a new year, in many ways, we all know it, it's just the same as yesterday. But it's a wonderful time for reflection. Never lose your wonder. 
resolve to worship. And ground yourself in God's word. I'll be emailing out later on today some suggested reading plans if you'd like to participate. After the service, Evan Wharton will be in the foyer. He's inviting people to join him and his family as they go through a particular reading plan. You can talk to him afterwards. I would just like to close in this way. We've mentioned the passing of our brother, Big Don. He was the brother from South Africa who was here for two years and basically helped us build this building. He volunteered his time. He's in the construction business. He was God's perfect provision for what we needed at that time. Big Don passed away very unexpectedly two weeks ago. But here's what I want you to just have on your mind as we close out today. As I watched the memorial service for him, there was a very faithful South African pastor who nailed it. He began by talking about the promises of God and salvation through faith in Christ. He ended by giving a powerful gospel presentation. He reminded those gathered that their life is fragile, that you're not guaranteed of tomorrow. I just thought to myself, I will not know this guy or meet him until glory. But praise God for faithful Christians all over the world. It was a small gathering. It was the holidays. So there weren't a whole lot of people there. But I want you to remember this. You are one of many, many, many faithful saints the world over and from generations past. Never lose the wonder of the gospel. What God has done for you. Let's pray. Was gracious heavenly father, we thank you for sending your son. We thank you for what you have done and will do for us. Oh Lord, in the trials, the distractions, the discouragements of life, when we know we cannot enter into the merriment, the festivities of, say, Christmas time, help us to press into the promises, to draw our comfort and our consolation. From the historical fact that Christ came. Emmanuel, God with us. Let us determine and resolve to walk intentionally with you. Help us to help and encourage one another to that end. 
we thank you for the profound and uncomplicated proposition of the New Testament. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Apart from our religious efforts, our attempts to do a redo, but by believing that Jesus died in our place, that he was buried and he rose again, turning in repentance and faith to him and to him alone as our Savior and Lord. Oh, Lord, we pray that if there is but one person this morning who has not put their faith in Christ, that today would be that day where they simply cry out for mercy, believing what you've done for them. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.